Hello, English learners. Welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you here again because today we have a special phrasal verbs episode. Yes, I know if you've been following the podcast for the past few weeks, you may be fed up of these. I don't know. But yes, we have another episode today on phrasal verbs. And this is because I got a question from one of you asking about this. And this is something that I don't do much anymore. Back in the early days of the podcast, I would get quite a few questions that I would answer on the podcast. For whatever reason, these days I don't get as many as I used to. So this is a nice reminder that if you want to submit a question, you can actually submit an audio question and have your voice heard on the podcast as well. So if you're interested in that, if there's anything you want to ask me for the podcast, then you can go to levelupenglish.school slash podcast and you can ask your questions somewhere near the bottom of that page. But that could be interesting for some of you. I do have to say as well, I am feeling really fatigued today. There's a good word. It looks a bit like fatigue, but it's pronounced fatigue. That's a noun. If you're feeling fatigued, the adjective, you're just feeling really kind of tired and low energy and weak. You know, it's not quite sleepy. It's just like weak in your body. And I think the reason is because I spent the weekend in London where it was about 30 degrees. It was quite, quite warm. And I was doing lots of walking. I was walking, you know, a big thing that I love to do in London is avoid public transport as much as I can. And actually, I quite enjoy public transport. But I think London is such an amazing city and the more you can walk and spend less time underground in the tube, the more beautiful, amazing things that you will find. So I did see so many amazing places that I'd never seen before. But as a result of that, I spent many hours walking in the sun and I think it really zapped my energy. So I'm sitting here in the very hot office today with some coconut water that I'll be sipping on, trying to keep me going. But mentally, I have energy, but physically, I don't. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but okay, I think we can get right into it. So I got a question from Abdullah, and he wanted to know about phrasal verbs. So let's listen to what he had to say. Hello, Michael. Hello to everyone who was listening to this message. First of all, I would like to thank you for your amazing podcast. It really leveled up my English and began to be a part of my day. So just thank you. Keep it up. My question here is about uh, phrasal verbs. Uh, there is some phrasal verbs that if, if I remove the preposition, it won't uh, change the meaning. For example, if I said, uh, instead of uh, check it out, if I said just check it, uh, would it be wrong uh, grammatically? And what is the function here of the preposition? That's it. If the answer is long and deserves to be in, in an episode, I would be really grateful if you, if you make one. Uh, thank you again and goodbye. Okay, so that's a really good question. Thank you, Abdullah. I appreciate you listening. and I'm glad you like the podcast as well. And when it comes to phrasal verbs, there are so many things like this that make them difficult. So essentially what Abdullah was asking was when we remove the preposition on some phrasal verbs, does the meaning change? You know, what is the purpose of the preposition? And the answer is not 
as simple as you might think, which is why I decided to make this into an episode rather than just replying with, you know, one sentence. So the one that Abdullah mentioned was check it out versus check it. That one there. So to check something out, I suppose it can have more meanings than one, but the main meaning normally is to kind of investigate something, to have a look at something. So, wow, look at that really cool building over there. Check it out. Check out the building, right? So we say check out. The it is not part of the phrasal verb. This is just the object. Check something out. For those of you listening to the episode, you might not know that I have a big telephone box behind me. If you want to see that, come to the YouTube version of the podcast to check it out. It just kind of means have a look, see what it's like for yourself. To check something without the preposition is kind of like to examine or look at something to make sure it is okay, it's acceptable. It really depends on the context, but... You could do some homework, for example, and you need your teacher to check your homework. So that means see if the homework is correct. Please check my homework. And you can say, please check it, right? As in Abdullah's example, you can say it. Check it. Check the homework. So in this specific example, there is a small difference because sometimes the preposition will change the meaning of the verb. So check something, make sure it's okay. Check something out is have a look, investigate, see what it's like. There's a small difference there. You might check out a new restaurant that's opened in your town, but you wouldn't really check the restaurant. The people who would check the restaurant would be the health and safety inspectors. They're checking to see if there's any rats or cockroaches in the kitchen. So they're checking it, you can check it out, right? There's more kind of nuance as well, more hidden meaning that we can talk about. Like often phrasal verbs sound more casual. So in some cases you might use a normal verb in writing, but in spoken English you might use a phrasal verb. Check it out, sounds really casual, really nice and friendly. It's a nice phrase to use. So I hope that makes sense for this one. In this case, there is a difference. I often say that with most phrasal verbs, they need to be learnt individually. And there really aren't any clear-cut rules that you can learn to help you learn all of them. That's why they're so annoying to learn, but I think they're also very rewarding because once you start learning them, you really see them everywhere. And I think this relates to what is known as the 80-20 rule. 80-20 rule works in many different things, but in this case, I would say if you learn 20% of the phrasal verbs, you will be fine in 80% of situations. That's obviously not exact, that's just a random number. But what what I mean by that is English speakers use the same phrasal verbs again and again and again. And if you learn just the main important ones that we always use, then you'll be fine for most situations. So that's the good news. There aren't as many to learn as you think to become really, really good at English. And a really good thing to do is to get in the habit of researching them. So whenever you hear a new phrasal verb, 
Research it. Look it up online in a dictionary. Uh, research the difference between the verb alone and the phrasal verb. Because sometimes there will be one, and sometimes there really isn't much difference. So for the rest of today's episode, I want to talk about two things. One group are phrasal verbs that make sense without their prepositions. So this will be the difference, for example, between break and breakdown. Then I'm going to be looking at some phrasal verbs that don't make sense without their prepositions and explain why. So I'm going to go through some examples now. The first one, as I said, will be breakdown. So these phrasal verbs will kind of make sense without the preposition. So here's the first sentence. The car broke down on the motorway. The car broke down on the motorway. This means the car stopped working on the motorway. Without the preposition, it's kind of the same. The car broke on the motorway. It's kind of the same. It means the same thing. To break down and to break is very similar. But often phrasal verbs add a kind of additional meaning, kind of a little bit of a different meaning to something, if that makes sense. So to break just kind of means to stop working, usually because something snaps or is damaged in some way. If your phone breaks, it could be because it got wet. It could be it broke in half, it snapped in half. Maybe you dropped it on the floor and it cracked. So there could be many reasons why something could break. Breakdown is a little bit more specific. Breakdown is best for machinery and sometimes electronics. But you usually would say a car breaks down, like a big vehicle breaks down. It might be possible to say like a big machine breaks down. But most things we cannot say, we cannot say break down. Your laptop breaks down, a little bit unusual to say that. Your phone breaks down, it's quite strange, we don't say that. So this one is much more specific, right? Breakdown means to stop working. Another one we could look at is to fill or to fill in. When you're given like a form or document, you might be asked, fill in this form with your details. Fill in the form with your details. Without the preposition, it's also possible. Please fill this form with your details. Fill the form. So again, it's just like before when the preposition turning into a phrasal verb adds kind of a more specific extra meaning. So let's look at this. To fill, to fill something just means to put something or to turn something empty into something full. Fill the glass with water. Fill your brain with knowledge. It's going from empty to full. To fill something. To fill in is a little bit more specific and it's really good for writing. So you could say fill the form with your details, but it sounds much more natural to say fill in the form with your details. Right, And it's really annoying, like, why do we have to add that in? What's it doing? Um, It does sound quite nice if you're asking someone to do it, fill in the form. It sounds much more pleasing and friendly than fill the form. 
just that little preposition makes a big difference in the sound and the tone of the of the instruction. But yeah, a, a nice thing you could do, very obvious, is just go to Google and type in the definition of these phrasal verbs. And fill in has about seven meanings on Google. So it's, it's a lot, but most of them you can ignore. Usually the top one or two would be useful. Um, but yeah, the third one here is to add information to complete a form or an official document. Right, so it's quite specific. It's quite specific, that one. So you'll notice very often these phrasal verbs make the meaning more specific. Fill the form, fill in the form. Fill in the form is much more natural, right? But if you are kind of a beginner, you're not so good at English yet, you're, you're still working on it, you can use fill, that's fine. Just use the simple words. And as you're getting more advanced, you can learn these phrasal verbs, fill in the form, and it will sound much more impressive in your English, right? But if you do say fill, of course people will understand you. It's not the end of the world. Let's just do a couple more of these types. We've got, for example, pick up. That's a really common one, pick up, which literally just means get something from the floor or the table in your hand and then up into the air. We'll come back to this later if we have time, this moving up. I've got something interesting to say about that maybe towards the end of today. But yeah, to pick up is quite a simple one. I think a lot of people will know this one. He picked up the book from the table. We could say as well, he picked the book from the table. He picked the book, he picked up the book. All right, so again, it, both of them are correct, but the phrasal verb once again changes the meaning a little bit. To pick without a phrasal verb is a bit like to choose, right? To pick is like to choose. To pick up is the action of taking it in your hand. So it could be possible to use both of them in one sentence. He picked the small book and then he picked it up, right? So he chose the book and then he took it in his hand. So once again, that preposition is adding a little bit extra meaning, right? It's, it's not just choosing, but you're choosing and kind of taking as well. It's those choose and take combined into one phrase. Here's another really, really good example of how it adds extra meaning, and that is in the phrasal verb to call back. Call back. You will know that to call someone is to talk to them on the phone, call them on the phone. You could say, she called him later in the day. Perfect sentence. But you could also say, she called him back later in the day. That is also perfect. So what's the difference here? To call back is to call someone again. Maybe you missed their call the first time and you need to call them for the second time, right? To call doesn't have any of that hidden meaning. You might be calling for the first time or the hundredth time. We don't, we don't know. So call back just adds some extra meaning to clarify what you're saying. It's not necessary, but it does help with the meaning. Sometimes it will be necessary, actually. So for example, if you are on the phone, you say, oh, you have really bad connection. I will call you back. I will call back, right? So that, that would be a good natural phrase. You couldn't really just say, I will call. Because remember, call back means call again. 
if you say you're cool, it doesn't make sense because you're already on the phone. So wait, you're cool, but we're calling right now. What do you mean? So there is a difference sometimes, but again, it's making it more specific. Okay, let's go to our second section today, which is phrasal verbs that don't make sense without their prepositions. And I'll do my best to explain why, although it won't always be easy. So one example is to look up. We might come back to this later, but look up has multiple meanings. This meaning just means to research something. If you don't know the answer, then look it up. Look it up on the internet. Research the answer. So you can say, she looked up the information. That's perfect. She researched the information. If you said she looked the information, that does not make any sense. Uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, we need to have some kind of preposition afterwards. You know, when we say looked, we would say look at something or look for something. These prepositions are important here and it changes the meaning. We cannot say she looked object. We need to say a preposition. But if we look at these phrasal verbs alone, it, the meaning is still quite different. She looked up. Looked up means research. Look just means point your eyes somewhere. So the meaning can change quite a lot in some cases. Let's do a couple more now just to give you some more examples of ones that do not work. One could be put off. To put off. Again, this has multiple meanings. Let's focus on just one today which is to delay something, to postpone something. If I don't want to do my podcast recording today, I could put it off until tomorrow. I could delay it until tomorrow. Obviously, put is a really, really common verb, and it can have different meanings depending on the way you use it. But usually put just means to kind of place something. You put your phone on the table. It's left on the table. But put off, the meaning changes completely. And this is an example of an idiomatic phrasal verb. We'll come to this at the end. I've been hinting at this for a while. But with many of these idiomatic phrasal verbs, it's not possible to use them without the preposition because the meaning will be too different. So put off, why do we say off? Why do we say put? None of those words are close to the meaning of delay, right? It's a bit strange. So we cannot say they put the meeting. You, know, you can put your phone somewhere. You cannot put a meeting. What does that mean? So you put off a meeting, for example. Another great example would be to turn on. Turn on, like turn on the light. I don't know if you can... Yeah, so I'm turning on and off the light over here. And if you turn on the light, it just means the light comes on. The light illuminates. But you cannot say he turned the light. That's a bit strange. He turned the light. Because turn means to change your direction, like turn left, turn right. Right? To turn a light? That doesn't make sense because you're not going a direction. Turn on is a totally different meaning, a totally different word in some sense. So that's why I always suggest that you maybe try to forget about the original meaning of turn. I mean, this is what native speakers do. When I say turn on, I'm not thinking about turning. 
it's just a different word. You know, turn and turn on have no connection in my mind. They're not the same word. So that's why I always suggest to learn these phrasal verbs as separate words. Even if it is more than one word, like turn on, two words, think of it as one word in your mind. That is what I think will give you the best results. I do have many, many more examples, but I think I will leave it there so I don't bore you today. I may put some more examples up on the website or something like that if you want to have a look at more. But the last thing I wanted to discuss today was this difference between literal and idiomatic phrasal verbs. So again, there's no rule to really help, but I would say generally idiomatic phrasal verbs are ones in which the meaning changes a lot. A literal phrasal verb is one that kind of literally talks about what it is. Like you can understand based on what it says. One example is to fall down. Even if you've never heard that before, you can probably guess the meaning because it's falling and it's going down. Right? It's very obvious why we say down. You fall down. You don't fall up. You fall down. So that one's a literal one. And with many literal ones, we can sometimes remove the preposition. He fell down. He fell. It's kind of the same. Kind of the same in that case. He fell down, he fell. Another one is to hang up. If you're putting a picture on the wall, you hang up the picture. That is a literal one. You could also say you hang the picture. That's also fine, right? So many of these literal phrasal verbs, first of all, they're easy to understand, easier, and they can sometimes be used without the prepositions. Okay. Idiomatic phrasal verbs are one, these are the hardest ones. And these are ones that you kind of have to learn from scratch because you cannot guess what they mean. So we had a few already, such as put off. Another one is to work out, right? To work out. When you go to the gym, you work out. You work out at the gym. It just means to exercise. I guess it kind of makes sense like work because exercise is work, right? But then why out? Are you going outside? No. So the out here has no easy to understand meaning. It's just a random word, basically. I don't know where it came from. Maybe there used to be a meaning, a reason, but these days I don't know. So work out. You have to just learn that one on its own. You can work out at the gym, but you cannot work at the gym. I mean, you can work at the gym, but that's a different meaning. It's you take your laptop to the gym and you do some work. So that's one example. A really common one is carry on as well. Carry on means continue. If someone is walking and they stop, you could say, hey, carry on. It means keep walking, continue. But this is idiomatic because why do we say carry? We're not carrying something. And why do we say on? You know, we should say keep walking or keep going. But why do we say carry on? It really doesn't have any meaning and it's impossible to guess the meaning if you haven't heard it before. So that's why it's idiomatic. And with, I think, basically any idiomatic phrasal verb, you have to say the preposition. Otherwise, the meaning will change so much or it will just be incorrect. 
You cannot say carry. Carry walking. That doesn't make sense. Carry on walking would make sense. There are also some in between that we can call semi-idiomatic, which kind of makes sense. It's just it's just the ones that are in the middle, right? So maybe part of it you can guess, like the verb makes sense, but then the preposition is a bit confusing. So one example is to drive off. Drive off just means to drive away, to go somewhere else in your car. So the police were trying to catch this criminal, but he drove off. Drive is literal, like drive is obvious what that means. You're driving in your car. But then why do we say off? That seems to be random. It doesn't seem to mean anything. So this is semi-literal because it's half and half, right? I'll leave that there, but hopefully that breakdown of literal and idiomatic phrasal verbs gives you some idea. And maybe next time you learn a phrasal verb, you can also think, whether it would be literal or not. Would it be easy to understand if you've never heard it before? You could even try it yourself, actually. Next time you come across, there's a good one there, come across means to find. Next time you come across a phrasal verb that you don't know, try to guess the meaning before you look it up in a dictionary and see how close you were. See if you can identify if it's literal or idiomatic. There's your challenge. So I have to say, I'm very sorry that it wasn't an easy answer. Phrasal verbs are difficult and they do take time to learn, but I really hope that you can see the enjoyment in learning them. Learn one or two, use them in a conversation, and it can be really rewarding and fun to do so. So I hope you can find a fun way to keep learning. So I'll leave it there, but thank you, Abdullah, for your question. And remember, if you have a question, you can ask me as well. Let's just say a quick thank you to the country of Belgium. I want to say thanks to, I would say Nicholas, but I believe the kind of more French way would be Nicola. Maybe no S, I'm guessing. Anyway, I'm going to go with Nicola. Nicola says, hello from Belgium. I started listening to these podcasts two months ago because my usuals were blocked for some unknown reason. Since then, it's my favourite one. I have a C1, C-E-F-R level, but I'm very unsure of my pronunciation. I really appreciate the content. The speed and the difficulty are perfect. It's a great source of motivation for me, and I'm sure it will improve my language skills in the long term. Thanks for that, Michael, Nicholas, or Nicola. Thank you very much. That's so kind of you. I'm really happy that you found my podcast accidentally. And I'm glad that you're sticking with me. So appreciate your review and your five stars. Let's end with a quick quote. I spent a while trying to find a quote that included a phrasal verb. And this one is from Mark Twain. Mark Twain says, The secret of getting ahead is getting started. To get ahead means to work hard so you're kind of ahead of other people, to really be productive in your work. So if you want to get ahead and do well in your life, get started. That's the most important part. Thank you for listening and watching. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye, everyone. Hold up. 
You have been listening to the Level Up English podcast. If you would like to leave a question to be answered on a future episode, then please go to levelupenglish.school forward slash podcast. That's levelupenglish.school slash podcast. And I'll answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.